This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? All right, we got a great show planned for you. Maybe we're going to talk about one of the more important things that we ever are going to talk about. Why is that? Well, we're going to talk about something that is uh, applicable to almost every relationship we have in our life. <sighs> Learning about our wounds. I know it's hard work. Some people call it shadow work. Some people call it mindfulness. Other call it, you know, trauma healing. And that's what's so fascinating is uh, some people think trauma work is only happening when we're using that word or when we're talking about painful events from our early life. But the way we now work with trauma is we understand that we bring it into our present lives and that trauma is an issue with our memory and memory consolidation and memory processing. And we work through it in the current. We work with it in how it is showing up in our body and in our cognitive <clears throat> ideologies that we see on self and other in the world. And more importantly, in our relationships, relational trauma can only be healed within relationships. Yes, there's an individual component of that work, but the work is done relationally and that can be done in therapy and then also taken out into our wider lives, into you know the wider rest of our world. Uh, and so it's really important work to look at what our wounds are, AKA our triggers. So we're going to do a deep dive into that. But again, it's really hard work because it's about going inward and looking at ourselves. And that is hard for us. It's hard for us, especially those of us that are, you know, further along in the narcissism continuum. We are all narcissists. It's a matter of how much, just like any personality disorder, which by the way, I don't subscribe to the personality disorder issue. I don't believe in, you know, narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality disorder. Um, these are all results of trauma. And, and very much when we use those labels, we are victim blaming. And there are <clears throat> uh, a lot of sexism and even some racism in a lot of those labels where women, about 80% of these, those that are diagnosed with things like borderline personality disorder are women because we use a male heterocentric yardstick for determining what's appropriate. And so when people have had a trauma or a life of trauma and they have a lot of emotionality and dysregulation, we see that as hysterical. So I don't want to really get into all that as much as I was just trying to say that we all struggle with these pieces and we're always doing trauma work and the most powerful place to really learn about where our work is and what our work is, is within our relationships and being a partner to someone, whether that is romantic, sexual, social, or being a parent. So both being a partner or a parent, that is when we get to learn about our work because being a parent and being a partner is when a mirror is held up. And it shows us where our wounds are, what our work is. And that happens when we're triggered. So we're going to dive into this. This work is about us examining ourselves. As always, it's very easy for us to want to look at the other and to weaponize a lot of what we talk about on Loveline. But it's always about us learning more about ourselves first. And we do that work with ourselves first. People say things like, but that's not fair. It's letting them off the hook or blah, blah, blah. And I say, as adults, we bring a maturity and maturity in, in our adult relationships is about us looking at ourselves first. And once we've done the work of working and practicing being better selves, then we can start to look at our relationship to others. Now, as always, let me just throw in my disclaimers and caveats because everyone, you know, we often struggle with understanding that you have to understand the nuances and complexity of what I'm saying. If you are in an abusive relationship that is either physically abusive, where you are literally physically abused or things are thrown at or near you, or you are in an emotionally abusive relationship, which means there's bullying and name calling, please end and leave the relationship immediately because either your partner is abusive and it is not safe for you to stay with them, or you are the one bringing the abuse into their life. 
and that is not fair or healthy for you to do either. So put the relationship on pause, separate and go heal, and then come back together. Because emotional abuse is as toxic as physical abuse, and we're no longer normalizing emotional abuse as though name-calling and bullying and all of that is part of a relationship. No, it's not, and it never should be. And the minute it enters a relationship, it is time to put the relationship on pause and to say we have work to do because we are starting to normalize abuse. It doesn't matter who brought it in. You both have a role in separating out of that. So please do that. That's the caveat. All of my topics assume we are in non-abusive relationships because again, if we are, we need to end them immediately, separate out, do some healing and decide if we want to release the relationship or renew it and come back. But again, these topics are always within <clears throat> healthy, secure adult relationships. So I want to kind of just start there. Um, so we're going to take a break and then we'll come back and do a deeper dive with this. But uh, as always... You know, wearechannelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes, including this one, because, you know, there can sometimes be a lot of dense material in what I'm talking about. God bless it. Trying to pack it all in there. But uh, we don't always hold on to all of it. That's okay. If you walk away from some of my shows with just one new idea or two new ideas, bam, job done. Because again, we're not trying to optimize. We're not trying to be perfect. We're not trying to do self-improvement. We're just trying to look at ourselves. We're, we're, we're dropping the stakes. We're lowering the bar a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, we're working on being kinder with ourselves. And this kind of work where we're being reflective, and you're going to hear more about this, reflective, not reactive, going to start to build in those mantras and those sound bites. Um, it's hard and it's a slow process, but it's just about staying in the practice. You know, I want everyone to know what their work is. If we're moving through the world and we don't know what our work is as a person, our work to be better, a better parent, a better colleague, a better boss, a better lover, a better friend, whatever it is, then we're probably going through life on autopilot harming people, people that are in our care because we have a relationship to them. Because people are in our care when they're our friend, when they're our partner, when they're our colleague, when they're an employee. They're in our care, and we have to take that seriously. So, all right, we'll talk more. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Time to... Uh keep this discussion going about triggers. Now, a lot of important stuff in here. So I want to make sure everyone's kind of sticking with me. Um, we throw that word around very loosely as well. Like I'm triggered. You triggered me. That triggered me. Remember our triggers are signs of where our work is. Our triggers are about us learning about ourselves. Our triggers don't tell us about the other person. If we say to someone that triggers me, the work isn't for them to stop doing it. The work is for us to learn about, wow, that's a wound. Why is this statement or this behavior so dysregulating for me? Why can't I stay calm? Why am I asking this other person for them to control themselves and stop their behavior so I don't have to do that because I'm dysregulated right now? So a lot of times when people feel triggered, they put the responsibility or the blame on the other person as though they shouldn't have done that or they should have known better. And we'll get to this down the road. Yes, in loving relationships of all kinds, we want our partners to understand us, to have our, as they say, owner's manual, and to understand how we operate 
And yes, we would love for them to lovingly be aware of our triggers and, you know, not do that or walk us into them, but we're more, but that's for us to learn more about. We, we need to be an expert on ourselves. We can't expect our partners to be doing the work we won't do. We can't expect them to be hyper aware of what they're saying and doing so as to not upset us, but we have no, no willingness to track ourselves and our triggers so as to heal them and just pull them out because that can happen. That is the work. Triggers are for us to identify how we can get rid of them or at least soothe them, or at least heal them. So we need to work on dropping that intensity. Um, so that's the first piece. So let's just start there for a second, that the relationship itself, right? The impact we have on our relationship as we're working through our triggers matters as much as the resolution of those triggers. I want that point to really get driven home. That a lot of times when we're trying to make a point or we're trying to communicate something, or we're trying to find a solution, or we're upset and we're trying to feel better, we make that the priority. And in doing so, we often create harm to the other and our relationship to them, as though that's not as important. Uh, not only is it as important, it's actually more important. So what you should be paying attention to first when upset, when frustrated, when angry, when let down, when disappointed, but more importantly for our topic tonight, when triggered, your work is to pay attention to how you're working through and working with this trigger, which is your responsibility, because it's your wound, how you're doing, how your process is impacting the other person. There's no health, no compassion, no ethics, no healing in burning down or harming others in us trying to deal with or work through a trigger. So know that the relationship itself and the impact we're having on it and the other person as we're triggered and working through it means more than the resolution of the trigger. Otherwise, you're going to burn down and burn through people. I have to remind everyone that because we get lost in them. And I empathize with that. There's a lot of empathy in all of this. But I'm being a little hard-lined because I want to drive these points home. So know that it's all wrapped in empathy and care for how we got these triggers. They're wounds. They're from early trauma. But that doesn't mean that the impact we're having on our partners as we're working through them doesn't matter. As though our trauma is more important than their mental health. Both are important. But I see some clients I work with somehow care less when triggered about how their partner's feeling being with them in that moment or on the receiving end of that because their mental health matters too. But somehow we think if I'm triggered, it's only about me. No, see, that's the self-centered narcissism that comes with a lot of trauma and wounding is we forget that there's another person that's brought into that with us when we're with them as a friend or a colleague or a lover or a partner or a husband or a wife or a parent. And we have to be holding both. Again, we'll talk more about how to really do that, but I want to just first build in a new consciousness around this. So again, the relationship itself and the impact you're having on the relationship and the person matters more than the resolution of the trigger. Trigger resolution takes time. It's not a one-off. And th these relationships and these people have to live on and, and, and go on. And so we want to pay attention to how we're impacting them. So again, as we're diving deeper into this, we're looking at how our wounds show us where our work is. Your wounding is the trigger, not the person. The person's just neutrally living their lives. Because again, as I said earlier, we are within a healthy relationship. If we are not, please end the relationship. Go do some healing and come back. Because if you're with a person who is purposefully triggering you, aware of your trigger, and they, they purposefully set you off and weaponize it, again, then you are in an abusive relationship and you should put a pause and exit or take time out and both go heal. Why are you in that? Why are they doing that? That's not a sign of a healthy relationship. But my assumption is for tonight's show that we are within one and that our partner is a compassionate, loving person. And so they are just neutrally living their lives, but yet we are still triggered because they're living their lives, doing what they do, and they have their own history. Remember, they have their own traumas as well. You might be traumatized, but so are they. Our whole lives are a trauma. The trauma of everyday life, being gay in our culture is a trauma. Being trans in our cis-centric culture is a trauma. Being a person of color or black is a trauma in our white supremacist culture. Uh, being lower socioeconomic is a trauma in our classist culture. Being a female in our, in our sexist culture. Being a male in our toxic masculinity-based culture, right? We all are dealing with all of these traumas around our body shape and size, our gender, our sexual orientation. We're all traumatized. We, keep, we have to stop pushing it forward, though, and that's how we do that work. And this also, like I said in the earlier segment, this is also part of parenting, is knowing that our, ch our children are just trying to take shape and become who they're meant to be. And when they dysregulate us, we blame them. 
and we punish them, not realizing that the issue is our trigger and we need to heal it. And they're helping us see where our triggers are every time they upset us. But instead of working on ourselves, we make it about them and we punish them as though they meant to do it, as though they should know better. You are a grown adult. Be better and further along than your four-year-old. And if you can't calm yourself down when upset, how the heck do you think they're going to be? I see it all the time. The kid's throwing a tantrum and then the parent does as well. And I'm like, well, that's where it came from. They don't know how to regulate. So obviously your kid's not going to learn it. And shouting at them isn't the way to do it, right? So this work applies to that as well. You should be paying attention to your relationship to your child more than the resolution of their tantrum. And your process in resolving the tantrum should be tied to tracking and building a safer relationship. So all these skills are going to apply to that as well. You have to kind of do that translating. Going to take a little break. We'll come back and keep talking about this. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back. And uh, tonight we're talking about triggers. Probably some of the most important work we'll do. It's our shadow work. It's our dark side. It's our shadow side. It's our trauma. It's where the healing needs to take place. It's the core. <clears throat> moving through life, understanding whenever, whenever we're triggered or upset, bam, we have to stop and pause and go, Ooh, there's a wound. Instead of getting upset with the person that triggered us, we should stop and go, Ooh, there's a wound. This needs some healing and attention from me. We'll get to that later in the show, what we do in that moment, but that's what we should be alerted to. It's a communication and we should go inward. We always want to go outward, go inward in that moment. What do I need to learn about myself right here? What can I do? Again, we'll get there. The, you know, the tips and the tricks. We always end with that. I know you all love tips and tricks. But right now, we're just understanding the theory behind it. We're understanding who we are. So again, our wounds show us our work. Your wounding is the trigger, not the other person. We often want to blame them as though the problem is that they set us off, not that we are able to be set off. You know, a really healthy and controlled person has a control over their triggers. They know what they are. They acknowledge when they're happening and they work with them very well. If I say to someone, what are your triggers? And the answer is, I don't know. I'm scared. You're not safe to be brought into my life anyway. Not as a lover, not as a partner, not as a friend. Truly, I am around really healthy, evolved people that have done the work on themselves. They might not be able to use that languaging, but they're aware of what their work is. They're aware of their triggers and they manage them and they sue them. And as a good friend or a good partner, I'm going to you know, deeply, powerfully committed, close relationship with someone romantically, we help, we help each other. It's called co-regulation. Co-regulation is better than self-regulation. Co-regulation will always work better than self-regulation. We need other people. We need to be dependent on other people. That's not codependence. That's co-regulation. That's healthy. We're always talking about that. We'll get there, but right now we're working with ourselves because sometimes we're single. Sometimes we're at a, a coffee shop and we, someone spills something on us. And again, that's our big moment. Why are you responding with such intensity to someone's accident? They accidentally bumped into and spilled something on you. It was not intentional. It actually was neutral. Something happened. How you show up and deal with it says everything about your mental health. The person who deals with someone's accident with intensity and anger has a lot of mental health issues, has a lot of work to do, and maybe isn't safe to be brought into a relationship or to parent. Because I, I, kids drop things, kids make mistakes. And if everything sets you off, you are going to traumatize your child. You are traumatized. We have work to do. If you're moving through the world, trigger after trigger after trigger after trigger, you are unsafe right now. I say that very lovingly and empathetically, but I need to challenge that head on. Please take some time and heal. Get into some therapy. Learn how to regulate yourself better. Dysregulated people are very unsafe. The people you see that are thriving in the world that are happy and successful are the most regulated people because that's what's required. Yes, most of them are raised in lower level traumatizing households to maybe barely even having any. That's right. If you're uh, an attractive, gym-bodied, wealthy, white cis, hetero male, you probably have encountered little or no traumas maybe. You're at the pile of privilege. So God bless. But again, things happen to everyone. I'm not calling anyone out. And just because someone has a lot of privilege doesn't mean they don't have a right to the healing and caring and respect for their issues and trauma. All I'm looking at is the intersectionality of it all. All that to just say is we have to be aware of ourselves because when we are brought into someone's life, either through parenthood, which we bring ourselves into this child's life, or through dating or friendship, that other person is in our care. Your child is in your care. 
you are responsible for how you impact them. And if you are not a very safe, healthy, regulated person, please do not step into that. Do some work. And if you're already a parent, please get into some therapy. But if you are moving into a relationship romantically and you have friends, please also do this work. It cracks me up when people say things like, I'm not ready to date. I have a lot of work to do. Well, dear God, you're poor friends. Because the same issues that are coming up in your dating life are probably coming up in your social world too, maybe. And they're at the receiving end of some of that harshness. Like, yikes, you might actually want to take a break from everyone. Some people need a break from everyone, not just dating. But yeah, dating also brings it out. Dating sets off our attachment system. So that's why dating is very difficult. That's why most people are healthier and more functioning when they're single. Because when we're dating and our attachment system kicks in, well, then we also we do form this codependence where we do need their presence. We are seeking proximity to them. We do struggle with separation. We do worry about rejection. We do worry about abandonment. All that comes back up, all that early stuff. But that's where our work is again. And tonight we're not going to spend our time talking about all the attachment stuff and how that works. But just know that, that romantic relationships will always be more difficult for us than anything else socially. It's not all the same. Although they, it requires a lot of the same skills, the intensity gets amplified because just like a, a child to a parent, two adults when they're in an attached relationship have the same needs. They need closeness and proximity. They need it to be a safe base that encourages them to go off into the world. And they need to also know that it's a safe haven that they can return to and get care and support. We need to know they're with us literally and symbolically. We need them to be reliable, consistent, available, and responsive. Children need that in an adult and two adults need that for each other when they form an attached romantic relationship. But we don't necessarily need that from our friends. We give them more space and time away. We don't panic when they're not near. We don't worry about proximity. We don't do proximity seeking. We don't worry about abandonment. Some of us do, but not in the ways we do with a romantic partner. It's quite fascinating. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about our triggers. And we'll start kind of digging into, you know, what are some of the tips and tricks and, you know, skills that we can apply, um, apply and employ, I should say. So stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to uh, slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, it's a long one. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Isabel. I'm noticing that my friend is super insecure. Long story short. Uh, wait, your friend is a lesbian that has a history of dating straight women. She'll go after women who have boyfriends um, or only had boyfriends in the past, gets them to date her, and then ends up not working out as they go back to dating men. While While sexuality is fluid, and I understand this, she has a pattern. Bum, bum, bum. She's recently met a new girl who has only dated men in the past, here we go. But this relationship is different. They're constantly fighting about men that look at the girlfriend. She accuses her girlfriend of staring at guys too long when they're out. And even the other day, a male barista was talking to the group of us and we walked outside. Uh, She confronted the girlfriend and told her that she should get his number. The other night I asked her about it and she admitted being insecure. I feel like she's putting herself in these positions to date women who tend to lean towards men. I feel like she needs to stop putting her insecurities on the new girlfriend because it isn't her fault. How can I tell her all this, but nicely? Ah, see, these are those questions when they say, how do I tell them, but nicely by telling them that, but nicely. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really know what you think I'm going to provide. There's no special way to tell them that we have to be direct and honest. Do it kindly. That's your answer. Honestly, though, I don't think you should be telling them anything. I don't think it's your place to point out the pattern. Um, I think as a friend, we should lovingly let our friends know what we see happening. I think as a friend, we should help guide them towards better, more secure-based relational habits. Um, But I feel as though you already have. (laughs) I don't feel like this is new. Um, So how do you tell her? By lovingly and calmly saying, hey, um, I've noticed that you have some dating patterns and it concerns me. Are you open to talking about it? Um, do you want me to be, you know, brought into your life in that way? And if your friend says, no, I got this. No, I'm cool. No, I don't want to hear about, no, you're a nag. No, we've talked about this before. Then your answer is awesome. And I will be your friend and love you nonetheless. Cause that's your job. Um, I appreciate how hard it is to watch our friends make bad decisions in the way that we see them, but it really isn't that deep when people say, I can't, you know, I can't have this friend anymore. It's too much. Well, calm down. It's hard to hear 
We have to hear about it every blue moon. Let go. I think the work the work might be in you letting go and and not holding so intently to being frustrated with your friend's pattern. This is where your friend is. And yes, can you sit down and say you're going through these patterns and habits and I think it needs to stop? Like I said, sure, if you haven't already, but at some point we have to let people be on their journey. I don't know what is driving that with your friend. I don't know why your friend wants to date people that seem, based on your report, to theoretically have a stopping point or a point where things can't progress any further or a, you know, pre-decided expiration date of some kind. I don't know why. It might be an avoidance of intimacy. Um, It might be an arousal template that isn't serving them and they need to figure out what are the other things that turn me on and that I'm interested in and maybe start trying to find that. But that's all work that this person can't do with you. This is work that they need to do with themselves or in therapy. Um, So again, if you haven't brought it up before, yes, very lovingly, softly, non-accusatorily, bring it up. Let your friend know. But you have to ask, hey, are you open to hearing what I think? You know, I care about you and I watch your dating style and habits and I think I see some things that could help, you know, make it better and some change. But if your friend isn't interested or says no, you got to let it go. And we have to learn how to love people anyway. We can't try to get everyone to live in the world in a way that doesn't frustrate us because we're tired of being frustrated. And if they only acted differently, we wouldn't have to be frustrated. No, we have to learn how to calm ourselves down and let go and let people live their lives. And so I'm hearing both concern and care, and that's awesome. You sound like a good friend. But then I'm also hearing that you have some work in this and that you care too much. This shouldn't be that troublesome for you. This isn't your life. And to have to hear and and be there to put your friend through these breakups isn't a lot to ask, actually. And again, we have to learn how to not be so annoyed with other people's moves. Um, People are always going to frustrate us. So let's see how that goes, you know? I like the question. I like the intent, but... um, we can't try to change people based on our frustration. So let's see where that goes. Uh, DMs, y'all. You got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. We always love hearing from you. Any questions you got, topics you want covered, something you want us to drop back into deeper, let us know. Also, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. They're all there. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good stuff over there, so check out some of the other programs. But um, stick around, y'all. We will be back. And, of course, closing out the show with some more DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and uh, tonight we are talking about triggers, which is basically to say we're talking about emotions, which is basically to say we're talking about our traumas and our wounds. They're all rolled up into that fun ball, Uh, but we're basically just looking at on the back end how this comes to be. Uh, Again, relationships, uh, the relationship matters more than the trigger itself, so when you're getting triggered and you're upset, pay attention to how you're impacting the other, this person that is in your care by nature of forming a relationship with them, we are responsible even when triggered and in a trauma state to really try to pay attention to how we're impacting the other as much as we need them there for us. Our wounds show us where our work is. Your wounding is the trigger, not this person or their behavior. So don't go outward focusing on that as though if they stop doing that, we're all well. No, we're not. It'll get triggered again in some other way. That trigger remains. You're just bypassing doing the work. No bypassing, right? Um, And we want to become aware not reactive. Like that's the key takeaway in a lot of this. We want to build awareness in those moments and not reactivity, but most people move through the world on autopilot. They have no idea what their triggers are. They have no idea what their work is. I know what my work is and I know what my big triggers are. I know my big three and I work on soothing them and I'm killing it. I'm doing awesome. And I know when I'm stepping into it and I go, oh my God, here it is because I can feel that shift in my body because I'm aware. I'm building awareness and trying to get rid of reactivity. When in doubt, I stand there and do nothing. I used to always hear my mom say the opposite. Don't just stand there, do something. Oh God, no. With mental health, it's the opposite. Just stand there and do nothing. When in doubt, I stand there in silence. When in doubt, I step away for a minute to gather my thoughts. I step outside of that trigger. Even though there isn't an actual trigger, it's the it's sometimes being in the presence of the activity, the person, the place, or the thing. And sometimes I have to step away to just soothe for a second. Or I stand there in silence. Why? Because as I said earlier, how I impact those around me matters as much as dealing with the trigger. I don't just do what I need to do in the moment and not care about my friends or whoever's around me at that time. That matters. That matters more. Trigger work takes time. Shadow work takes time. But you have to build more awareness and not just be reactive. There's a space between the trigger and your response. And you need to make that a wide space. But for some people, there isn't. They go from trigger to response. They just throw a punch. They just start popping off. 
whatever it is. That is not a sign of someone who's healthy. That is not a sign of someone who's in control. That is not a sign of someone in power. Powerful people stay quiet and silent. Powerful people regulate and calm down and then respond. That's power. These people, I see these reality shows and they're flipping tables, popping off, saying horrible things, and that's made normal and they're kept around. If someone did that around me once, I don't know that they'd see me again. That's not a safe environment for me and they're not healthy because healthy people look at how they're impacting everyone around them and they want people to feel safe around them as though they can be vulnerable and let their guard down. You can't do that around people that aren't aware or able to work with their triggers. We, we really shouldn't be dating these people. Everyone's worthy of love, but people should be at least at some level of health before they start dating and bring themselves into other people's lives because you're bringing all this with you. I'm not shaming you. And that might be you right now needing to practice this trigger work if you hear me shaming you. Calm and soothe and understand my intention. And that's a part of the work is saying, what do I think that other person meant or intended? How am I bringing the past into the present? Because Dr. Chris is just very universally sharing tips and tricks. And if I'm feeling targeted by it and it's making me upset and I'm feeling attacked, you have to say to yourself, that's my trigger. Where, where, where in the past is that coming from? How can I stay in the present moment? How can I calm myself down and hear what's being said? Awareness, not reactivity. We're not bypassing. Let it push you into that consciousness because these triggers are part of us disconnecting from ourselves. And doing this work is about reconnecting, having more awareness, being in our bodies, understanding what we're feeling. We'll get there later in the show a little bit more, but I just want to keep reminding you the sound bite is be more aware, less reactive. Just stand there and do nothing. Take a moment away if you need to. That's when they say, go, go count to 10. That's what we're talking about. That, that brings you back into your body. It can you, slowing down your breathing. We'll step into that later, but I want you to remember to go inward. Instead of going outward and blaming whatever triggers you, it's about how do I go inward? How can I learn more about myself? How can I you know, sit with myself? Keep the attention on your inner process, not on the other person. Keep your attention on the inner process, not the other person, right? That's, that's key. So really sit with that. Triggers are a mirror, letting us see where our unhealed pain is. We usually think it's about that moment. It's not. It's about the past being brought into the present. We want to resolve that so that that doesn't get to keep happening. And as I said, it's often also a lot about control. We feel out of control in that moment. So instead of working on calming, regulating, and controlling ourselves, we want to just try to control the other because we believe that if this person would stop doing or start doing something, then we wouldn't have to get triggered. We wouldn't react. But that keeps that wound still there to be triggered again in another way or by someone else. Let's just heal that so we can move on. That's the work. So a lot of this is about feeling out of control and trying to control. And the work is about us controlling ourselves, not controlling the other or the external. So again, we're going inward, not blaming the other. We're keeping attention on us and our inner process. Why is this happening? What's happening? You want your response to be about reflection, or, you know, which is transformation, not reactivity, which is when we're going outward. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll come back and start talking about what are the steps? What do we do in those moments? How do we work with ourselves? What does it mean to go inward and be reflective? You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. And tonight we're talking about our triggers, getting triggered. Again, I hear everyone throw that around as though it's a request for the other to not do something or for the other to stop doing something, right? We get triggered and we, we start yelling or shouting at someone, stop doing that or you always do that or you're making me feel this way. That's the sign of someone who's unsafe and out of control. The sign of someone who is safe and in control is someone who sits still in that moment and they go inward and they go reflective and they say, damn, what's going on with me? Why am I having that response? What is that, you know, what from my past am I taking to the present? Because again, within the healthy relationship, which is my assumption, because if you're in a, an abusive relationship, the work is on pausing or getting out. Uh, in healthy relationships, our partners aren't doing it on purpose. It's a very neutral thing. They're just living their lives, being themselves. And we have to go into acceptance. I know it's a very scary thing because in, in, in essence, the work is really about calm, being calm, and then connecting. We shouldn't ever be sharing or processing anything with someone else unless we're calm and we should be connecting first. It's like I say to parents, connect before you correct. You shouldn't out of the blue come in hot, attacking, correcting. First, take a moment and connect and bond. 
Hey, I see what you're doing down there. Are you having fun playing? Good. But listen, when you take that marker and you draw on the wall, blah, 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 blah. But connect first. Come in soft so they feel safe connecting with you and hearing you. Don't just come in hot. That's how you start to startle and traumatize. And again, the relationship matters more than you dealing with the trigger. Your relationship to your child or your partner matters more than just getting them to stop writing on the wall. And if you think just getting them to stop writing the wall means more, you have a lot of work to do because then you don't value your relationship to your child or the other person. You have to connect first, but we have to also be calm to then connect and then we can share and process but we have to be calm. The connection matters more. Remember that. Because again, we're using this as a transformative experience. Being a parent and being a partner to someone are two of the most transformative experiences that we have access to because our attachment system kicks in. We don't do that with friends. They are not attachment figures. They're not figures that we use for regulation in the same ways. Our attachment system is this primal system that we have with a child and a parent that we also have with two adults in a secure primary romantic relationship. And it's about proximity seeking. It's about support and it's about presence. And we all know that. We're a very regulated, calm, level-headed person, and then we become a parent or we get into a romantic relationship, and now all of a sudden, we're worrying. I haven't heard from them. Why aren't they texting back? What time are they coming home? Who's that they're over there talking to? And it's like, who am I? Where did this sensitivity and fragility come from? What was waiting for you? It, it mirrors the child-parent relationship, and that's not to shame it. We always need others, but that attachment system that we seek to be in a healthy relationship. And we don't have a healthy adult relationship if we're not able to attach and build that system of consistency, reliability, available, availability and responsiveness. We panic. So here's the steps though. I wanna come back to the trigger topic. We're talking tonight again about triggers, learning about our wounds and what to do with them, how to work with them. The first thing we have to do when we realize we're getting triggered is we have to acknowledge it. We have to be able to do what we call, um, we have to have what we call an observing ego where you're watching yourself. It's almost like there's a version of you on your shoulder or up in the air looking down and, it's, and you're watching yourself. That's healthy. It's called self-awareness. It's called consciousness. Most people don't have it. They're on autopilot, running through their lives, not aware of the damage they're doing, how they're harming people in themselves, chronic relational issues. We have to observe ourselves. So the first step is to acknowledge, wow, I'm in a trigger. I got triggered. And that alerts yourself that this is a very special, important moment and what I do next really matters. Then the second step is you name it. You name, you put a word to what's going on. That's how we bring ourselves a little bit out of our body and into our head so our executive functioning can come online. We have to get into some thinking. So we have to give it a label or name. I'm feeling really angry. I'm feeling really uh, frustrated. I'm feeling really lonely. I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling threatened. I'm feeling abandoned. It doesn't mean you are. We're just naming the feeling. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. We never get into right or wrong. It's not about that. It's judgment free. It just is. That's how you're feeling. Go with it. Not good or bad. So you acknowledge that you're triggered and then you name the emotion. And that's always important because it helps us understand what we need. It helps us understand what it is that's going on and what the need is. Type in that. Sorry. And it brings us into our head. It helps us work with it. Then we have to do the difficult work of checking in on the intensity because usually what's going on should be a two or a three, maybe a four, but we're feeling and wanting to act as though it's an eight, nine or a 10. You know, that person who we know cares about us accidentally tripped and spilled their coffee on us. We're in a safe relationship. So we know it's not someone who would mean to do that. Why are we wanting to respond with an eight, nine or 10 and scream? Why are we getting so dysregulated? It was an accident. Well, because of it's a trigger tied to something. doesn't matter what it's tied to. We're not going there right now. We're just naming it and we're checking the intensity. What level of intensity should I have for someone who accidentally bumped into me and spilled on me? Probably two, three, or four. Or what level of intensity should I bring to the fact that our partner yet again forget, forgot to empty the dishwasher? About a two, three, or four. It is not that deep. It is not life or death. Your sense of how much love they have or care for you should not be dependent upon emptying the dishwasher, not in a healthy relationship. Again, if you're in an abusive relationship, please leave or put it on pause and do some healing. Both of you, all of you. Otherwise, we're in a safe relationship and it's safe to then reduce the intensity. So again, the first step is acknowledging I'm triggered. I have work to do here. This is about me. Number two, name it. What's going on? Notice how we're going inward. We're going towards self. 
to calm, to heal, and then later we'll connect. So we're acknowledging, we're naming, and then we're checking the intensity, which usually means realizing we need to crank it down a little bit. In that moment, if you can't just crank it down with this self-talk, then we need to do one of two things. We need to breathe, work with our breath deeper and slower. That's how we can regulate our autonomic nervous system through our breath. It's always available to us. If we don't feel like we can do the slower breathing because it makes us start to panic, then maybe we need to move into movement. We need to go for a walk. I've even seen people do push-ups against the wall. They need to dispel and discharge all that energy. Got to take a break. We'll come back and keep talking about working through triggers. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back and we're closing out our conversation tonight on triggers, which is us learning about our wounding. And the most powerful places this comes up are between parent and child or parent, you know, child and caregiver and uh, two adult partners. We're talking about how our triggers show us where our wounds are. And in those moments when we want to go reactive and focus on the external, the person or whatever happened, we realize now we need to go internal, go inward, go inward, go inward, go inward. And it's about reflection and learning and transformation, not about going outward and just being reactive. That is the sign of someone who's struggling. If, if you're that dysregulated and that sensitive, maybe it's time to put the relationship on pause and do some work. But again, the steps in that moment where we're feeling so triggered is to acknowledge that we're triggered to ourselves. We're going inward. Then we're naming it to better get a hat grasp on it. Also to bring us into our head, to let our executive functioning come on and into it. Then we're checking the intensity. Most likely you've cranked that bad boy up. We're in a safe relationship. This is not for people in relationships that are abusive verbally with name calling and, and bullying or physically. Those people need to, again, take a break or end the relationship more so, but this is for people where it's safe to check that intensity and crank it down. And before the break, we were talking about in that moment, if that is not enough, we start with breathing first. Our breath will always slow us down. Slower, deep breathing in that moment. If that doesn't work, maybe you need movement. Go for a walk, walk it off, run it off, jog it off, get down and do some push-ups. Sometimes we need to discharge that energy. Listen to your body. It's gonna to need to go in one or the other regulate one in one direction or the other, a down regulation or or a release and up regulation. Also, we have to do some self-talk. Breathe, I'm in a safe relationship. My partner cares about me. I'm in a safe relationship. My partner cares about me. You can have a mantra. We're saying calm, calm. I have my own mantras where I greet everything with ease and I embrace it with love. That's me practicing my acceptance of whatever's happening in the moment as I'm working with it. I say, meet it with ease and embrace it with love. But that comes from my own spiritual practice. That's from some Eastern philosophy because I believe in a higher power and God, not in the ways that most people see it. It is not a being. It's in all of us. It's universally accessible. We're all interconnected. And I'm trying to lead with love and nonviolence. It's also why you know I'm vegan and feminist and activism. It's all in there. But that's my, that's my journey. And then finally, if that doesn't work, you also have access to co-regulation, which is more helpful than self-regulation. So when we can reach for another to help regulate us, always do so. And they don't need to really say or do anything. We just need to know that someone's with us. Sometimes you just need to go stand by them, hold their hand, put your head on their shoulder, ask them to come sit with you, but you have to be safe for them to approach. That's why you have to do the breathing, the moving, or the self-talk before we attempt to do that sometimes. Sometimes we can come in hot and they can contain and handle it and it won't traumatize them or trigger them. Uh, you have to kind of be more aware of your relationship. And then we move into examining the other person's feelings. How am I impacting them in this moment? What, does, what do they need from me? My partner's in my care. Yes, I'm triggered, but that doesn't mean it's all about me. It can't always be about you because you say you're triggered as though they don't have a life that's in motion, as though their quality of life doesn't matter, as though how you're impacting them with your triggers doesn't matter. It does. It does, and it's okay to in that moment also realize that, but that's why we're checking the intensity and cranking it down. And then finally, once we're calm, we connect, and then we share what happened for us. And we learn, we both learn. You and this person learn and you grow, and you're safe to stay connected to. And that's what we do. That's how we heal. And each time it happens, you go through that quicker and faster. And at some point, it happens, and you just catch yourself quick. You don't even need to think about those steps, and you just... <sighs> and you're back. It gets easier. As you're noticing, the work is about awareness. That's all it is. And I know people are like, but what does that mean? Just have to build awareness. We're not wallowing in it. We're not acting it out. 
We're not denying it. We're not stoking it. We're just letting it be. That's what we're really practicing. We're just staying in the moment, letting it sit beside us. Awareness and acceptance. That's how we do it. We just let it be. Nothing needs to be done. With triggers, we often feel like there's something. We have to do something. We've got to do something. Or you have to do something. No. We all just need to be in the moment, center ourselves, accept it, and we move on. It's kind of like the weather. You might have left the house thinking it's going to be a beautiful sunny day. There you are in your tank top and your shorts. Oh my God, you step outside, it's raining. Nothing needs to be done. The day isn't ruined. It's different. It wasn't what you wanted. Accept it. Go put on a hoodie and go back out and have your day. That's what we have to do with our triggers as well. Learn to carry them with us. Learn They don't have to ruin the day or the morning or our relationship, but we let them. That's why we go inward and we heal and we soothe. And then we go back and we go about our day. Look, this work lets us see how immature and primitive we can be in relationships. We have to put ourselves under scrutiny. What type of partner am I? What impact am I having on this other person? Where do I need to heal? Because people don't trigger us. Our wounds from the past do. We have to live more in the present. When we're living in our triggers, we're living in the past. We're taking it forward. Because most people in our lives, if we're in a healthy relationship with them, they're just neutrally living their life. You know, and they can't be doing the work we're not meant to do. We're not willing to do. We can't expect them to be hyper-focused on not triggering us if we're not willing to be aware of our own triggers and work on it too. But we often want to make it the job of the other. You don't trigger me and then I don't have to do anything. No, boo-boo. You work on healing your triggers so that they can just live their lives. That's how, that's a healthy relationship. You just let them live their life if you're in a healthy one and you work on your triggers. Um, and then our part, the work, if you're the partner of someone who struggles with their stuff, just try to be present to co-regulate, stay calm, stay connected, use touch in a loving way, and try to provide the opposite energy of what they're struggling with. You know, all right, y'all, we'll talk more about this down the road coming up next. We're going to slide into those DMS. So stick around. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm on several dating apps. Let me just start there for a second. That's awesome, and I think that's good. A lot of people need to be on these apps if they're single looking to find love. I'm a big proponent of it. I don't think they're always ideal. And um, I tell people, you ready for this one? I'd be on like three. I know, it's a lot. Gotta check them every single day breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because everyone's looking for people that are consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. And if we're not tracking them and staying on them and being present, well, we're going to be perceived as not available or not interested or flaky. And in the window time of days that it takes some people to respond, others have connected. So that's okay. It doesn't have to be something you hit every day, but for those that are serious about it, you need to be looking at it multiple times a day. You need to be on more, more app than one. I don't make the rules. <laughs> I'm just helping people learn how to use technology to try to give themselves more opportunities, dating and finding compatibility is a numbers game. So the more options and opportunities you give yourself, the better you'll be. When in doubt, find out. When in doubt, go out. Uh, we don't want to make our total decision based on looking at their height and their weight, which are all rooted in ego. Someone's height and weight has very little to do with what kind of partner they'll be and what it'll be like to be in a relationship with them. Um, so we have to have a wide net. We have to be flexible. We have to be open. So I think that's great, but that's not your question. So the question says, when we get deeper into it, Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm on several dating apps. Awesome. And it really bothers me that some of these men and women are putting COVID negative or have my COVID vaccine in their bios. Is that just annoying me? Or is this the way of the future? I, I'm not annoyed by it. I want to know if you're not vaccinated, we got a problem because I think that's unethical. And number two, I personally don't want to spend time around unvaccinated people. Why? They're not safe. I don't want COVID and I don't want to pass along to some of the people in my life that are immunocompromised. 
um, I don't have the best or most robust immune system from, for genetic reasons. So I don't want to be around it. And so I think it's completely fair. I don't think it's stigmatizing or pathologizing. I think it's an honest question rooted in safety. And if people aren't confident having to explain why they haven't gotten vaccinated, well, good luck because LA is now one of the second, you know, one of the multiple cities that's demanding anyone in any public space has some, you know, way to prove that they've been vaccinated. I'm here for it. Does that create some second class citizenship? I'm never down for that. But if it's, you know, rooted in those, just not willing to um, do what they need to do to keep everyone safe, well, that's consequences. Life has consequences, you know? You always have a choice. No one has to get vaccinated, but there's consequences if you don't. <laughs> and we're trying to keep each other safe. So I'm cool with it. The only thing I don't like in bios is when people are doing sexual racism, body shaming, instead of talking about STD and STI status as positive or negative, saying things like, are you clean? Like, that's offensive. That bothers me. And people say really gross, heinous things, like I said, that are racist or body shaming. That bothers me. Because that's exclusionary based on nothing but oppression and violence with communities that have traditionally, you know, already encountered that. And there's a lot of people that are on those apps trying to have a corrective experience and want to feel desirable. So COVID thing though, no, that's choice. <laughs> Unless someone cannot for health reasons, then it's choice and you have to own the consequences of that choice. And if I was single and looking to go on dates, you better believe I'd want to know on the front end because if they're not, I'm not going to be spending time with them. And so I don't even want to jump into that. And also I would really question some of their ethics. I'd want to understand why. And also knowing that it's so politicized, does that, what does that mean? They're anti-science? Are they anti-vaxxers? Or, you know, is this a Republican thing? Are they also anti-abortion and pro-Trump? Because I want to know that as well, because that'll also never work. So I'm okay with it. I think it's just you. Maybe it's some other people's well. Good luck though, you know? Um, why why does it bother you, I guess is my question. What does it bring up? What kind of conversation does it start that you don't wanna have? So I think there's something reasonable in there. I'm okay with it. Um, I haven't been on the apps in a long time though, but I hear through clients that there's still a lot of mess going on there. So just a closing reminder, be kind. <laughs> be kind, take it seriously. These are human beings we're dealing with. There's a human being on the receiving end. Take that seriously. You might, you know, these people might be making a last ditch effort to really put themselves out there and to try to find what they're looking for. So take that seriously. All right, so those are our questions. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline ID page. We'd love to hear from you. Questions, topics you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into, let us know. As always, over at wearechannelq.com, you can look for Loveline, check out past episodes, binge, post, share, re-listen. We got all the stuff for you. Um, but join us tomorrow night. We'll be back. Got a great show planned for you tomorrow already. Been working on that bad boy. Um, spend the rest of the night, though, focused on self-care. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.